0: As we gather together in this place this morning, anybody else with me? Can we can we acknowledge the presence of the Lord was among us today? Um, John chapter nineteen, and as you turn in your Bibles to find that, is there anybody here who's really hungry? I know that's really kind of sabotage to talk about during a prayer a season of prayer and fasting. Is there somebody here who could like demolish twelve freshly glazed donuts? Anybody? Anybody? I saw a hand back over there. Is that Hayden, Daniel? Hayden? Hey, brother. Listen, um, I, got, I got something for you. Now, I want to pass this box down to you, and I want you to open it up. When I saw this box this morning, the top one, when I saw that box this morning, it was full of glazed donuts. Would you open it? How many donuts are in there, Hayden? One donut? You mean you got the final donut? A guy like you is not going to be satisfied with one donut, right? But I tell you what, I want you to enjoy it, acknowledging that it's going to leave you longing for more. It's going to leave you a little bit hungry along the way, okay? That is yours, uh, courtesy of Shannon Oaks Church. Um, By the way, hungry and longing for more in the sense of final things is kind of like for those people who have experienced the last breath of a loved one, right? There's just never enough time In those final moments, how about puzzle people? Anybody who loves puzzles, loves put together those puzzles. All right, Miss Lala, I got you right here. Listen, I uh, there's a thousand pieces. Uh, That's probably nothing in the realm of your capacity, but open that up, take a look in there. A thousand sounds like a lot of pieces. There is. There's a lot of pieces in there. Can you imagine looking at the, the front of that box top there? and that beautiful picture that's there, can you imagine the sense of fulfillment and wholeness and completion that you will feel when that last piece goes in place? The final piece goes in place. It, you know, it's kind of like the punctuation at the end of a sentence, right? Without it, it's just incomplete. But a question from the, from the final donut to the final puzzle piece, how can final things leave us in such extremes? How can final things leave us in such extremes? We're in a series called Not So Quiet Time. And it's founded on the verse we find in John chapter 10, verse 27, where Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And the reality is that you and I, as his sheep, have everything we need to hear, And discern the voice of God in our lives and over the last few weeks we've really been pressing in on this journey to hear the voice of God and this morning as we wrap up this series I believe God wants us to attune our hearts to the sound of his voice that I believe you and I need to hear the most so would you join me in prayer this morning? Father, first of all, let that be a personal reference for each one of us. Because fathers speak to their children, and they love them beyond all imagination. And this morning, Father, I pray that we would hear, listen, and receive the words that you have spoken over us. And Father, that you would do what only you can do in our hearts and our minds and our souls. And that it would be for our good, but ultimately, God, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the unexplainably beautiful things about God throughout the scriptures is that he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He was there in the beginning, and he will be there when the cows come home. He is the beginning and the end. So in our quest for wrestling with final things this morning, I believe it's safe to say that God knows a few things about final things because it's who he is. And this morning, you and I had the opportunity to recenter on his word to his children In John chapter 19, I want to give you just a quick background for those who are unfamiliar with the passage. Jesus, at this point, is in his earthly ministry, and he has been beaten, scourged, and forced to carry his own cross. And at this point, when we pick up the passage, looks into the the, the storyline at the very end of his very brutal Crucifixion. I want you to read these words with me in John chapter 19, verse 28 through 30. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. And so a jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, putting it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. And when Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Shannon Oaks, there are three little words this morning that I want to focus in on from that passage. Three little words. And in the original language, it's actually only one word. But on the surface, it seems so simple as as if Jesus is saying, Life on earth as I know it is over. But church, I want to offer to you this morning that these three words may be the most pregnant words in all of Scripture. So this morning as we get started and pressing in on this journey, I want you to tell someone beside you, it is finished. And now tell the person that was your second choice, it is finished. You know, you've probably been in conversation with someone along the way that was a lot of back and forth, and back and forth. And you got to a point in the conversation where it was only back or forth. But the exchange halted with someone's final word. It brought finality to the conversation. And this morning, I want you to understand and and follow me on this journey this morning, Shannon Oak Church, that from John chapter 19, When Jesus uttered those words, I want you to hear and receive the truth that comes from God that the cross is the final word. But a question is yet to be answered for me and for you this morning. The cross that is the final word, is it the last donut in the box or is it the final puzzle piece yet to be placed? And so I want to ask you a question personally this morning. What do you what voice do you hear when you see the cross of Christ? When you hear it spoken of, when you read across it in scripture or in other literature, what surfaces in your heart when the cross surfaces? It is finished. I want to unpack these words just a little bit this morning. And when Jesus said this, there's a few things that I believe he was implying. A few things that that Jesus had intended to communicate as he uttered these three words. And I believe that he was saying, first of all, that God's redemptive work in humanity is finished. God's redemptive work in humanity is finished. Now, redeem, in case you're unfamiliar with that term, literally means to, to pay, to set free through payment of a ransom. And for us, on the, when Jesus was on the cross, the ransom was sin, was brokenness, was the disconnection from him that produced in us the inability to fulfill the life that he had created for us to live. And so early in the Old Testament, and those who are familiar with the Bible Know that this is true that the, the 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 act of blood sacrifice for the atonement was a was God's prescription for the temporary redemption of mankind, but it was temporary and it only lasted for so long, and so therefore it was an ongoing ordeal. it never stopped and so ultimately, when Jesus says it is finished he 's declaring that god 's redemptive work for humanity is finished what he 's saying is God has done what he needed to do in order to set man and God back together again. A few verses I want to share with you this morning. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. It says this. In him, talking about Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Mark chapter 15 verse 38. When Jesus uttered those words, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Access to the Father had been now fully granted. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20. He raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. In other words, Jesus took the place that a victor takes after the battle is won. Victory was his forever. And I I don't want to just brush over these as if they're not significant because each one of them is significant in its own. But I feel like we as the church have placed a lot of emphasis on what God meant about God when those words were uttered from the cross. And so it's important for us to acknowledge that God's redemptive work is finished when Jesus uttered those words, but I believe there's more. I believe Jesus also implied that your Performative work is finished. We live in a world where performance is king, don't we? Where everything about who you are is based on and determined by your last performance. Your last football game. Your last touchdown. Recruiters come to see your performance while they're there. Maybe for you it's your job opportunity. How you perform there, the future for what is in store for you is dependent on your performance. Maybe it's for your, your marriage. Your marriage is held together by performance. And if somebody doesn't perform well, then the other person may choose to to relegate their commitment co- covenant to you. We live in a performance world where you're only as good as your last performance. But I don't know about you, Surely I'm not the only person in the house this morning, but I'm not a good performer, y'all. I want to be, and I have moments where I am and can, but (laughs) my experience has proven far too often that my consistency in performing under my strength and my power just has certain limits that I cannot overcome no matter how hard I try and no matter how much training I subject myself to. And I don't know about you, but there's a difference between when Jesus says it is finished and when I tell myself and my circumstances it is finished. Because there have been many times and many um, seasons of my life where I have felt the bondage that it held me back and restrained me and I have looked it in the eye and I have said enough is enough and I'm moving on only to find myself right back in the grip of where I was. 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, verse 21 says this God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When Jesus said, It is finished from the cross, what he's saying is, There is nothing. There is nothing. Look at your neighbor and say, There is nothing. There is nothing you can do to be any more right with God than what Jesus did to make you right with God. Let that sink in just for a moment, church. There is nothing that you can do to be more right with God than what Jesus did to make you right with God. And when he uttered those words from the cross, that's what he was declaring over you and me and everyone who would call himself their child. John chapter 16, verse 8 says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. I don't know about you, but this this verse has been very enlightening for me. Because when I previously heard the word convict or conviction, there's just something in my spirit that was preparing for a blow. You know, when, when someone points out the stuff in you that's not good... And you realize that that there's opportunities and a necessity to grow beyond where you are, but the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, has been given to us not just for that purpose, although that's part of his purpose, is to point out those areas of darkness that need to be submitted to the kingdom of light. But beyond that, I believe that the Holy Spirit was given to us to convict us of righteousness. Those areas where we are, have been made right with God. And therefore, he communicates to us the blueprints of God for our lives so that we can align ourselves with our, the perfect design and creation that we were made to be in the first place. If you hear me, say yeah. Jesus said... It is finished from the cross. And he was declaring that your performative work is over. And when Jesus said it is finished, it's real easy to get the impression that final things are final and therefore nothing else follows. But if that was true, then you and I wouldn't be here today. Amen. And so when Jesus uttered the words from the cross, it is finished, I believe that he was saying to you and me right here, right now, in 2018, that your restorative work is now. Your restorative work is now. God's redemptive work is finished. Your performative work is finished. There's nothing you can do to earn or gain acceptance and approval from the Father or to lose it. But now you and I have the invitation to step into the fullness of Of what he was there to declare. And so therefore, when he said it is finished, what he's saying is, get going. Your restorative work is now. Now I want you to hear me loud and clear because somebody's thinking in their heart and their mind this morning, this means, well, I just got to make a bunch of changes to my life. Listen, as the Holy Spirit leads you, yes. But outside of his prompting and leading, no. Because you and I know that we can become really good doers of things just because they're the right things to do, right? And some of you may be here this morning not trying to step on toes, but but you came this morning because you felt in your heart that this was the right thing to do. And God is bigger than our choices and he's bigger than our motives. But what God wants for his children is for us to follow the leadings and the promptings of his Holy Spirit so that we step into the righteousness for which we've been created. And so as he illuminates those areas, he wants us to follow him confident in who he is and now who we are in him. So I'm not asking you, and Jesus would, 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 <laughs> would have a fit if I communicate to you this morning in his message of it is finished, if I'm simply telling you, try harder to do better, Church. Because that wasn't his message. Jesus paid a price for you to become, not to earn. Shannon Oaks, the only way to make this thing work is for us to believe with all of who we are that what Jesus did was enough to make us right with God. It's the only way to make this life left before us work. And and the cross tells us loud and clear, if we listen, that we are and have everything we've ever needed to become what God has created us to become. And so my prayer is that something is shifting in some of you this morning, that when you when you perceive the, the cross of Christ and in message and, and word and, and and any medium, Father, that you would hear. God's plans beyond the cross for you and for me. Your restorative work is now. John chapter 1 verse 12 says this. But to all who did receive him, he believed in his name. Who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right to become children of God. You see, when Jesus uttered those words on the cross, there was something left still undone. And it was for his children to capitalize on the right that had been entrusted to them. To become his children. I don't know if you realize this, but it's kind of alarming that it's possible to believe the basic gospel. And when I say the basic gospel, I'm talking about that Jesus died for our sins and so that we could spend eternity with him forever in heaven and not still believe that you're fully loved, fully accepted, fully approved by your Father. Fully empowered by your Father. Full of purpose from your Father. It's possible for us to to grab onto the basic gospel and still miss the the fullness of what we've been created for. And so for some of us this morning, we need to wrestle with the commitment that we made to Christ way back when, that when we came down the aisle and to the altar, we prayed a prayer and, and made a confession and a commitment that we weren't stepping over the finish line. We were just launching out of the starting gates. So I want to ask you this morning, I want to make it personal, because if you guys just come and hear me preach and say, yeah, that was, that was good, I like what he had to say, but it doesn't change who you are, it, it's, it's worth nothing of my time. And so I want to ask you, what, it, what is it for you this morning? What is it for you that when Joe, Jesus spoke from the cross, it is finished, what was he speaking to in your life? Was it shame? Shame? for something you've done, shame for something you had done to you, or maybe shame for something you've never been able to do? Is it temptation that lures the hungry flesh that wraps you into the land of deception? Maybe for you it's the arrogance that, that leads you to think that you're better than others and keeps you far from unity. And maybe on the flip side, there's somebody here today who's believed all their life that they're not good enough. And so, therefore, that same thing has kept them from unity. Complacency that keeps you from pursuing your God-gifted destiny. Being hurt by someone you love, someone you trusted. And last week we talked about hurt and how God wants to speak into that. Maybe for you this morning, it's physical ailment or illness that that keeps you believing that the enemy is having his way with you in your life. What is it for you? And there's thousands of other ways that the enemy wants to, 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 to lead us to be deaf to God's true intended message when he uttered those words, it is finished. So what has kept you from stepping in and taking ownership of the right to become the children of God that you were made to be. Because here's what I know to be true. Something keeps dragging you back to get you to to try and earn the approval and the acceptance or maintain it the best that you can so that somewhere along the way you feel like you have to get back in good graces with God, right? Whatever it is for you this morning, I want you to bow your heads and I want you to close your eyes right now everyone across the room whatever that is i want you to visualize this thing in your mind visualize this thing in your mind that has that has kept you from pursuing the right to become children of god and i want you to know that that as you envision this that Make sure that you're not envisioning a person, because our battle, Scripture says, is not against flesh and blood. It may be closely connected to a person, but it is not a person. It may have been something that happened to you on account of another person. And as that vision becomes clear in your mind this morning and in your heart, on the count of three... I want you to tell it out loud this morning. The words that Jesus spoke over this same situation in your life, it is finished. Are you ready? Everybody see it clearly in their mind. One, two, three. It is finished. Let's praise our victorious king this morning, church. You don't have to do in order to be. If perfection was a qualification for following Jesus, every one of us would have been dismissed from the get-go. But now because of our acceptance of His love over our imperfection, we get to wear the perfection of Jesus confidently because of who He is The cross isn't just a revealer of your sin, it's a revealer of your value, your destiny, your power, and your freedom. So, I want to ask you this morning the same question I have asked you all of the weeks in this series because it is the most important question that you and I can wrestle with. What value? have you placed on the voice of God in your life? What value have you placed on the voice of God in our life? Listen, many of us place value on the voices we find in social media, in the news, because we believe them to be credible and and, and, and necessary for our peace and satisfaction in our lives. And so we spend hours upon hours subjecting ourselves to voices that don't really matter. God has made you and equipped you through Christ and His Holy Spirit to hear His voice. So how much value have you placed on that in your life? Could someone look at the course of your week and and, and the schedule on your agenda, and could could they perceive that you place a high value on hearing the voice of God in your life? Now, don't get me wrong. There are powerful moments and encounters that happen with the voice of God along the way. But how are you preparing your heart to discern and to hear his voice as you go? What value have you placed on the voice of God in your life? I believe for every person in this room this morning that there is always room for more value on the voice of God in our lives. It's what we were made for. We can't find the fulfillment any other way. We, we always find ourselves on a journey toward exhaustion and, and, and frustration and destruction when we ignore his voice and don't give his voice the time of day. And so can we just acknowledge that over the last few weeks that God has made it very clear that his voice is the highest voice we can listen to. Maybe you're here today and and you you don't have a clue (laughs) what it is for Jesus to speak. It is finished over you. Maybe you are living this life where you feel like that the performance is exactly who you are and where you are in your life. And and you've known nothing else. In order to receive the approval from an earthly father, you've had to perform in such a way to earn it or maintain it. Can I tell you something this morning? If that's you, there is a greater way to live this life. And it's the life you were meant to live. And and yes, there are things along the way that need to be addressed and covered. But but the reality is is the cross is not just about the rearview mirror. It's about the windshield and what's ahead. I want to encourage you, if you feel the Lord stirring in your heart this morning, to to know Him and experience His finality over your brokenness in your life. Today is a great day. Hmm. Maybe for you this morning, as the Lord revealed something to you, and and you spoke His words over those things in your life, that, that maybe there's more that needs to be sealed up, and 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 solidified in the presence of His Spirit among the gathering of His people, right here, right now, before you leave today. Maybe you need to come here in just a minute and receive prayer and ministry from one of our team members along the front. So I want to ask you this morning, as I before I pray for you, what voice do you hear? What things surface in your heart and mind when you perceive the cross of Christ? Don't settle for just the the purification of sins. It's a huge part, and it's worthy of our praise and adoration. But there's so